This is John Halsman, and welcome to the Around the World in 20 Minutes podcast, where we once a week try to make sense of the beguiling new planet we find ourselves on. And today is a very interesting one. We look at the energy war that's going on in the world and see that it is indeed becoming multipolar, the world. Uh, that despite the United States still living in a blinkered past, the Biden administration, whereby the West controls everything, it is Russia and Saudi Arabia that are winning the energy war and not the United States. And uh, it's a great example of the world becoming more multipolar before our very eyes. And we have to very quickly adjust our gaze or the West is going to lose this war in the long run. And that would be a calamity. So this is instructive, I hope, uh, for the Biden administration, though one has to hold one's breath there. Well, first of all, uh, to begin with, the way to think about energy is that there are three great superpowers in the energy world, Russia, the Saudis, and the United States. Uh, this wouldn't have been the case a generation ago. I mean, the Saudis, for sure, have long been the swing producer of OPEC. Uh, not only do they have the most oil that allows them to be the swing producer, but they can get the oil out extracted very, very cheaply, about $6 a barrel. And so the, the Saudis can turn on and off the spigots almost uniquely, uh, which rather helps their cause. The Russians have an awful lot of oil and are a major uh, player, but they, they don't have the engineers, they don't have the spare parts, and extraction costs are, are much higher, but they still qualify as being a great power in the oil sphere, though, as a great power, probably second to both the Saudis and the United States. And who believes that we're even mentioning America as a great energy power? And this wouldn't be the case except for fracking, the technical genius that is the United States, that if left alone long enough, American engineers and ingenuity will come up with a way to make markets work. And fracking, uh, hydraulic fracturing, uh, putting water and chemicals into old oil used oil plants and suddenly extracting vast amounts of oil and natural gas um, have made the United States transformed it in a generation from being an energy mendicant to an energy superpower in the blink of an eye. And this would be the third of the great powers. And initially, this unholy triumvirate, uneasy with one another as triumvirates tend to be, look at the Roman Empire and Roman history as an example, um, didn't settle one way or the other. But now we decisively see Russia and Saudi Arabia as banding together against the United States. And you can see this in the past week where OPEC Plus, which is the Saudi-dominated um, organization of petroleum exporting countries, OPEC, the major uh, cartel of oil production in the world, the plus is Russia, and OPEC Plus agreeing to a surprise 1 million barrels per day cut starting in May of 2023 and going on for the rest of the year. This follows a cut of another 2 million barrels a day just in October of 2022. So OPEC plus cut 2 million barrels a day in October 22 to stabilize prices, and now another million barrels a day to do so. And so this means that the price of oil, uh, one can look at it reaching about $100 a barrel uh, by the end of the year. That's the Goldman Sachs number, and that's my firm's number. I think that's about right. And so here will be another inflationary pressure on the beset upon Biden administration, but this is largely a crisis of their own making because they simply don't understand that the world is increasingly multipolar. Again, three powers in the energy market, and now two of them are decisively banding together. There was thoughts that OPEC plus wouldn't last, that the triumvirs would turn on each other, 
but with a 2 million barrel per day cut in October 2022 and another 1 million barrels a day announced beginning in May 2023 and continuing for the rest of the year, we see the Russians and the Saudis very much in lockstep um, and doing things that don't suit the United States at all. Despite the Biden administration's howls of protest, both sides blithely go on. And let's look at the two individual triumvirs here and how the United States has made things immeasurably worse for itself by thinking the world was unipolar when it's not. In typical unipolar fashion, the United States thought that an energy boycott of the Russians would grievously wound the Russian economy, perhaps even forcing them to stop the war in Ukraine over time. There were confident predictions of double-digit cuts in GDP in this last year, despite what everyone realizes is an able central bank, the Russian central bank is well run, but the energy, which is indeed the only crop that Russia produces, it's a monocrop economy. I can tell you how powerful Russia is on any given day, merely by looking at the spot price of oil and natural gas, and that'll, that's the giveaway, despite the efforts of then-President Medvedev and President Putin to diversify the economy. This has largely been a failure, and Russia is indeed in many ways an aging gas station, with nuclear weapons, an aging corrupt gas station, as I've put with nuclear weapons. But in terms of energy, Russia is still a superpower, but the United States thought it could get the better of it, and the Europeans and the Americans quickly boycotting Russian oil and natural gas to various extents, totally oil in Europe and in a phased way natural gas, uh, that this would, would really cow the Russians and would hurt them and cut them at the knees. But this doesn't reckon with how markets work. Again, the Biden administration staff, the Democrats who've never worked in the private sector in their lives, don't really understand how markets work and don't really understand how a multipolar world works. And this can be seen in the energy boycott, which uh, really crushed Russian exports to both Europe and the United States, was made up for almost entirely in China and India. It's very hard to damage Russia if China and India pick up the slack. And that's exactly what happened in markets. Oh, good, say the Indians and the Chinese, both energy-starved countries with economies that are growing at many times the rate in Europe. I'm going to get a discount. The Russians now have to move their oil. And so it becomes a, a buyer's market. And so we'll get cut rate Russian prices, but the Russians will be able to sell more of their oil to China and India. And that's indeed what happened, buying it in yuan and rupees. And so this isn't even a violation technically of American sanctions. But even if it was, the United States cannot enforce global sanctions because it is not a unipolar force. It can get Europe into line, but it can't get the rising powers in India and China to get into line. They see this as a great bargain. So they say, yippee, Let's buy more Russian oil. And indeed, the dislocation in price, as, as the Europeans particularly slammed on the brakes of energy consumption, just led to a rise in the price, which has now indirectly helped fund the Ukraine war. Well done, Biden administration, which doesn't understand how sanctions work. If they are not global and are not applied uniformly, markets will see to sanctions being gotten around. And that's what's happened here, that Russia has funded the Ukraine war through the increase in energy prices, through China and India picking up the slack from European and American lack of buying energy, which they've been happy to do, being energy-starved countries that can do so at a discount. 
and the fact that the Russians with this dislocation have done better and now they've, they've convinced the Saudis and OPEC to cut um, supply along with them, which will keep the prices higher still. So on the energy war, there's no doubt that Russia is the winner and the Biden administration not understanding how markets work or multipolarity works has been a huge problem here. So that's the Russian piece of the puzzle. The Saudi piece of the puzzle is, is equally interesting. And this is Biden's Wilsonian, again, policy where the United States can lecture other countries with impunity and assume that they like it or at least will put up with it because the world is unipolar, and that very much is not the case. Anyone with an understanding of Saudi politics could have told the Biden people, but why let facts get in the way of your Wilsonian theories? The Biden administration not liking the Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, de facto ruler of Saudi Arabia, might have been involved in the assassination or the death of Khashoggi, um, and the CIA has concluded that this is happening. Rather than looking at the United States has dealt with all kinds of people they haven't agreed with in terms of human rights throughout the years, including, say, Mao and Stalin at various points, uh, the Charles Manson and Ted Bundy of international relations, and that the United States was quite right to do so. In World War II, we sided with Stalin to defeat Hitler. As Churchill even said, noted foe of Bolshevism, if the devil signed it against Hitler, I'd find something nice to say about him in the House of Commons. And the Nixon administration pivoting to Mao helped win the Cold War, brilliantly done, despite the fact that the Cultural Revolution, which killed millions of people, was then raging. Um, this is good old realist stuff. This is how the world really works, unless you control the whole of it and can impose your value system. The Biden administration, again, blissfully unaware of the multipolar nature of the world, decides to make an example of Mohammed bin Salman. Um, to go back a step, one has to look at what King Salman has done, which is, which is incredibly interesting. The Saudi royal family has passed down the throne brother to brother to brother from the founder Ibn Saud, who had 40 plus sons. And so as time has gone on, the sons have gotten older, of course, but they haven't moved down that next generation to rule. And King Salman is really the last of the brothers who undoes this system, which had been in place for the better part of the last 80 years, and instead installs a standard monarchical system whereby he will be succeeded, not in primogenitor as happens in Europe, but by his favorite son, Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman. Former Crown, Crown Prince bin Nayef has gotten rid of rather brutally, and Mohammed bin Salman has put in his place and is now for a number of years de facto been running Saudi Arabia. His father, elderly in his 80s, does intervene, is involved, but the day-to-day -day running of the country, uh, everyone, all analysts agree, is being done by MBS, Mohammed bin Salman, MBS as he's known, and this has been the way the Saudis have proceeded, uh, which is a major change in how they've elected uh, their monarchs and the people who rule them. So King Salman's already a little nervous about this, that this is going on and MBS is in place. And so what does the Biden administration do? They decide to make an example of the swing producer of OPEC and say to the king, you need to get rid of your eldest son um, as the crown prince. And indeed, we won't meet with him. We will only meet with you. Now, in an honor culture such as Saudi Arabia, this is an incredible insult. And worse, it strikes at the legitimacy of what King Salman is trying to do, which is establish this new system of Saudi governance, where they skip down to a third generation from Ibn Saud to his sons, now to MBS. This is a total change, 
and this is hitting the nerve center, the nerve point of King Salman. Not only does the Biden administration have the rudeness, the arrogance, and the effrontery to tell him to discipline his misbehaving a favorite son as though the king were going to get rid of his favorite son because Joe Biden doesn't like him. By the way, Biden might want to have a look at his own son before throwing bricks at glass houses. It's an obvious thing to say, but it seems to have eluded the overly moralistic foreign policy of the Wilsonian and Biden administration. But beyond this and, and, and the annoyance and enraging of having other people wag their fingers at you, particularly when they have far more problematic sons, Instead, this is striking at the Saudi legitimacy going down to this critical third generation and MBS running things and King Salman putting it in place by not acknowledging MBS, by instead working with the king and not meeting with MBS initially. This humiliated King Salman, MBS, and indeed show the United States not recognizing the legitimacy of the Saudi uh, succession line, which is the key to how a monarchy works. Biden should have known this, and any expert in the region, such as myself, could have told him this, but they'd rather do they'd rather feel good than do good. And now they've made a committed enemy, unsurprisingly, of MBS, who, when things were going badly with inflation, and Biden went to him to say, Could could you actually uh, pump more oil to lower prices to help me out? Instead, you saw what happened in October 2022. OPEC plus cut two million barrels per day telling the Biden administration, screw you, uh, we don't have to do what you say. And in Russia, in a multipolar energy world, which Russia, which certainly the energy world is of the big three, uh, they can do this with impunity as the swing producer and go along with Putin and in fact aid and abet him. And there's precious little the Americans can actually do because the world is multipolar. Um, and in doing this, they've made a committed enemy of the swing producer of OPEC. Now, the Saudis, one can take this argument too far. The Saudis still need American weaponry. Saudi security is still dependent utterly on the United States. But watch this. Watch the Saudis drift toward a more neutralist position. Who brokered their deal with Iran? Not the United States, as you'd expect, but China, who's never brokered a deal outside of Asia or even within Asia in memory. And China is called upon as the convening power to help broker a deal between Saudi and China. Certainly that, again, is sticking the figure, finger in the American eye. Now the Saudis have already cutting two million barrels a day, have just agreed with OPEC plus and Putin to cut another million barrels a day. And there's nothing the United States can do about it because the world is multipolar. And this leads me to my last point. Russia and Saudi Arabia are winning the energy war, and the world is multipolar, whether, whether the Biden administration likes it or not. Yes, the United States over Ukraine has done a very good job of allying great powers in their favor, and ultimately, the U.S. or China will ally the greatest concentration of power behind them, and that country will come to dominate the world. That's certainly the case. At the great power level, the United States has on side um, Japan, the UK, Anglosphere countries, the EU, and only Russia is the only country in the pocket of the Chinese, with India being with the Americans in the Indo-Pacific and neutral more broadly. But if you look down a level at the regional great power level, the regional powers, the developing world, we come back to the Kennedy problem of the 1950s when Jack Kennedy visited much of what was then called the third world and we now call the developing world, which is really where the rubber's going to hit the road in terms of power distribution as time goes on. 
And here, there is an amazing fact that nine of the 10 most populous countries in the world, the one exception being the United States, nine of the 10 most populous countries in the world are neutral over the Ukraine war. They don't want to be in the pocket of the United States or of China. They want to go their own way. And you see what Saudi Arabia is doing is part of this process. Yes, they're still dependent to some extent on the United States for their military security, but they have an awful lot more room to run with a football than they did in the first Cold War, where they can really concoct their own sovereign policy, doing deals with Iran, with China convening, and working with Russia to stick it to a Biden administration that has humiliated the Saudi royal family, feeling good rather than doing good. And this can happen. Let's think of the countries involved that we're mentioning here. Just what are these emerging market economies? China, India, Indonesia, Brazil, Argentina, Mexico, Turkey. Really, the rest of the world, the rising powers in the rest of the world, are not eager to side with the United States over this major geostrategic issue, Ukraine, but want to go their own way. It will be the challenge of American policymakers after the Biden administration, which I doubt will learn that the world isn't run by the United States and we can't lecture people over a phone and have them do what we want. In this new, more multipolar world, the United States needs to cultivate these allies, not humiliate them, through realism, through looking at the shared interests we have with the rising rest of the world. If we use realism, we will cultivate the lion's share of the emerging market powers of the world, and the world will be a place where American dominance is still there. If we don't cultivate these powers, we're going to live in a world where we'll be very surprised that people don't do what we want as the Saudis are proving. But until we grasp the changed structure of the world, look for the Biden administration, uh, preternaturally confused, to continue to make mistakes. Because the energy world is surely multipolar. And here, Russia and Saudi Arabia are in, winning the energy war, but more importantly, a multipolar world beckons. Thanks very much. I hope you enjoyed this. Fun to do this one. I had a schedule today. I will be speaking of the rest of the world in Dubai next week, a meeting with clients for the greater part of the week. Uh, but in between my busy schedule in Dubai, I will be sure to do the next Around the World in 20 Minutes, so never fear it will be coming. For those of you who haven't subscribed, please do so. So many of you have, and I'd like to thank you. And for those of you who have subscribed, please do give. If you want this new, unique approach which sees the world that's coming and not the world that we're leaving, we're only asking $70 a year, $7 a month, or $70 a year to give you a, a perspective on a world that is dawning. Thanks very much and have a great day.